Welcome to the sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and dcradio.gov, where we inspire, educate, and empower women of color to unapologetically transform into their most authentic and healthy selves by tapping into the goddess within. Welcome back to The Sanctuary. You're listening to DC Radio 96.3 HD4 and dcradio.gov, where we inspire, educate, and empower women of color to unapologetically transform into their most authentic and healthy selves by tapping into the goddess within. I'm Wendy Cherry, and I'm your host, and I'm so excited about today's guest. So um, my guest is Rissa Kat, Kat Okadei. And she is a longtime linchpin in the DC art scene. She shares her time between two passions, Mm -hmm. cultural architecture and teaching. And I can vouch for that. (laughs) Kat is a self-divined cultural architect and owner of Little So-So Productions, where she creates high-quality nightlife experiences, produces and directs conversations on and around progressive culture and aesthetics, and works with creatives of all sorts in a variety of capacities. She's also an associate professor in the English department at Prince George's Community College, where she teaches courses in composition writing, specializes in African-American and world literatures, and is an adjunct professor at Bowie State University, teaching self-promotion and marketing in the university's visual communication and digital media arts program. She is also, oh I'm God. tired. I, I'm tired. Okay. I'm like, who is, All this, right. who is this woman? She is Jeez, also please. a spiritualist <laughs> and intuitive practitioner serving her community as an herbalist and listener and create sacred spaces that center black women in magical practices. She is the founder of Black Magic Woman, an effort to fight the erasure of black women in spiritual spaces and the co-owner of Black Magic Sisters, a company that sells tools for ritual and intention setting with her real life sister, Oluwatoyin. Yep. You did good. That was fantastic. Oh, well. My bio is way too much. I'm going to have to do something about that. But (laughs) I was like, who is this girl? She's freaking awesome. Okay. (laughs) Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited. And congratulations on everything. So proud of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I wanted to kind of give a little background on how I um, first met Kat. Yes. And so... I was working in the entertainment industry and one of my coworkers was like, we have to go to this red tent event tonight. (laughs) I'm like, what's the red tent? So this was probably 2011. Yep. I always think because my hair wasn't locked yet. And now my hair is six years old. Right. So it was around that time. And so I go and y'all sitting on some pillows (laughs) and y'all got food and you're saging the joint and I'm like what what is this is going on what have I stepped into but then I'm just like it felt comfortable Mm -hmm. I was learning a whole bunch right and I was just like okay and they look like me you know we we talking about spirit and things and I was like okay 
So I think I probably became a very de- devoted attendee of the Red Tent yeah. for however many times yeah. we had it after that. Yeah, it was. I mean, the moon rituals were fantastic. And I want to bring them back. Um, it's a lot of work. So say, tell the listeners what was the Red Tent. So part of being... Okay, so let me first explain that cultural architecture is something that I created to explain, to give myself permission to do all the things that I'm interested in. Okay. Um, I'm concerned about black stuff mm-hmm, <laughs> all mm-hmm. through and through. If you go to my website, if you go to any of my events, black people are always at the center of everything I do. I think that as black with a capital B has such a depth of um, of wealth, of a depth and wealth of knowledge and culture, especially considering that black doesn't exist until white people say it does. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you think about the culture and the history that is created as a result of white supremacist sort of action and oppression against a group of people, mm-hmm. the ability to create all of this beautiful magic that is everything from Stevie Wonder to, um, you know, Romeo Bearden to Aretha Franklin and Eartha Kitt, like, we got to celebrate that. Right. We can't take that for granted. Right. So, um, as a cultural architect, for me, culture is the center of my world. Like, I'm always interested in how a culture becomes a culture. Okay. Like, why do we do things that we do? And that means I draw inspiration from anywhere. Okay. I see a color. I see a particular pattern. I'm like, hmm, what if we create an event around this pattern? And before you know it, like, people are like, oh, God, here we go. And we're going. Right. So, The Red Tent is a book by Anita Diamante, I think is the last name. And it chronicles uh, women from the Bible who are mentioned, Sarah, Ruth, um, I can't remember the third one, but the two sisters who end up married um, to, I can't remember, I think Abraham or something like that. And the idea is that, you know, for the artist, I mean, for the writer, these women appear in the Bible, but there's really nothing about them right. except in their names. Right. And so it looks at Jewish folk women culture. It looks at Jewish women sort of mystical practices and the red tent was where women would go to menstruate. So during the time of menstruation, and a lot of cultures did this, um, women would gather because, you know, when we are together, our cycles will time with mm-hmm, each other mm-hmm. and they would go into this red tent and during this time of menstruation, they rested. So they would lay in the tent. That's where conversations of, you know, intimate conversations among women would happen. Mm-hmm. Um, this is also where women would give birth. But it was a time to bleed together. It was a time to heal. And it was also a time to be taken care of. Okay. So during this time, the men had to just deal. Okay. So all of the work that women would normally do would cease because if you're in the tent, you have to. It was believed that during this time, you needed to be protected and rest. So I read the book in two days, was completely fascinated by it. And as a cultural architect, I was like, yo, we need to pull this into a space for black women. Mm-hmm. So we created, um, we you know, I pulled together a team of women and we, we did it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really a way, I wanted it, one of my concerns is always the amount of lived experiences as black women that we amass and how much we share with our social, our intimate social groups. If the power of that, if it got out past those social groups, I was like, okay, what if, you know, I know sisters who will have these deep epiphanies and we'll be just chatting at the Starbucks or mm-hmm, mm-hmm, hanging out mm-hmm. at the mall and they'll say some stuff. I'm like, what if the world could hear what they were saying? Right. So it was designed to be a way for people to gather, for women to gather. Mm-hmm. And because I don't mince words about black being the thing that I'm concerned with, I didn't feel the need to say black women only. I just assumed if you know me, then you know. And if you want to come and you're not black, just right. be prepared for this blackness. I mean, that's right. what it is. And so we did it. <clears throat> Not in the way that I wanted, but in the way that we could get it done, and it was okay. great. And then after a couple of, I think we did maybe two or three large symposiums, 
I really wanted to um, celebrate moon rituals because moon rituals are important to me, and mm-hmm. I really wanted to use it as a way to activate women, you know, individually. And so that's what you came to were, were the moon sessions, and mm-hmm. we would do new moon. I think we would do full moon, and it was a way to kind of say, okay, what are the things that you're looking forward to? How have you done these things, and what do you need help with? So it was a way to check in, and for a while we were going really strong, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that people understand that it may look like pillows and sage and food, but organizing the space, marketing it, it's a lot of work. Right. And so at some point we started shifting. I was like, hey, I need help, and we tried it in a bunch of different ways, and the one that we had at my house was just amazing. The one that we had at your house. Outside. We had it outside in a field under a tree under a tree so we're sitting there yep and we're talking and you know maybe I'm like six red tents in yeah you was was, right you was into it so I was like okay and we get this warm you shared a very important epiphany about where you were in your personal relationships I don't remember I do remember I'm not gonna tell you business on air but you shared a very important epiphany that you had had regarding a personal relationship and you were like I realized that I need to do X, Y, and Z and when you said that the wind there was this warm bleed that that just blew over and everybody stopped it was the most beautiful thing because I was like that's that's confirmation that's the goddess saying she got you and it was beautiful oh my god I get all teary eyed when I think about it yeah that was an amazing thing and I think that that was amazing for me because it made me feel like a part Mm -hmm. of this group and I knew that I was starting to shift with so many different things going on in my personal life and then the up Roar that was happening right. nationally with, um, you know, the more public display of people being murdered. We right. know it's been happening, right. but just the more public display and me being angry about it, right. and then me being arrested and going to jail and being mistreated in right. a way that I had never experienced, been experienced yeah. before or even deserved, of right. course. And um, so it was just coming. So it was the perfect part of the pie yeah. because I was um, what I asked for was wisdom right? and what I asked for was to do something that I hadn't been doing before because what I was doing was not wasn't, helping right, right. and then I also had health issues right? and then I had personal and professional things that were going on that were keeping me unbalanced right? so right at that time when I asked God in the universe mm-hmm. to help me <laughs> help me my, my prayer was always help me help me help me yep thank you thank you thank you and then wow well and the thing of it is is that um it's hard to when you are you know a practicing like i self-identify as a witch as a juju woman i love that word i claim that word it makes people uncomfortable i don't care um but when you when you see the magic that is taking place it's hard for people to understand it until you experience it. Right. And I really felt like, I felt like you were on this path and as someone who was just watching and just wanting to see, okay, like I hold space for women and it's not my job. It's not my job to push you all across the finish line. That's your job. Right. But my job um, in this lifetime is to hold space. So to create spaces um, so that women can come sit, do what I have to do. Mm-hmm. And I remember when we we're sitting under that tree, because folks were like, we going outside? It's mosquitoes. I was like, you will be fine. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Y'all will all be fine. And we right. had all the incense and we called yep. the corners and all these things. I remember thinking when that breeze blew by that, yo, this is it for her. Like, she's seen the magic now. Mm-hmm. Because I do think that for a lot of folks who were coming, it was a great place to be healing. It was a great place to talk and share and commune with women. Mm-hmm. But I don't know that the magical part was clear yet. And so 
um, and I'm not saying for you, but I'm just in general. Like I think people, it was not for me. Right. I just some, felt good being right. There. And a lot of people it felt right. Good. The earth plane space of, oh, I feel really good being here. Mm-hmm. But the ascension piece is the magic. And mm-hmm. so when you said what you said, because when you said it, you were very declarative. I am not. I've just decided I'm not going to put up with X, Y and Z. Mm-hmm. And when that breeze blew by, everybody felt it. Yes. I, I'm getting goosebumps now just thinking about it. Everybody felt it. And. It was like, okay, now do you guys understand that it's not just about what's happening on the earth plane. It's also this other side. Mm-hmm. You know, we had opened the door. We had asked mm-hmm. the ancestors to come and sit with us and protect us. My mm-hmm. cat was running a circle around us, mm-hmm. you know, and it looks good. Like, I'm sure if we had taken a picture, it would have mm-hmm. gotten tons of likes on oh, Instagram. Yeah. But that's not why I do it. I want women, black women specifically, to understand the inherent magic that they have mm-hmm. and to know what those those signs are so that breeze was a way for you to understand that you are not alone like mm-hmm. you may have thought about it, like yeah yeah ancestors mm-hmm. but that moment I remember thinking she's it that's and it and I didn't even think ancestors back then right like it's it was it's newer right than even six years ago right because the way that I was raised and not by my mom but right. my grandmother was that don't pay attention to any of those things right then you're going you're going to hell going to hell right. right so I was just like what they doing right but it didn't feel bad because okay so this is the funny part we would do our um our red tent mm-hmm. and then we would go party at Axel F yep. and then you would have popsicles yep. and then we would have all these different things right. and it was just fun and then you had a prom and <laughs> I mean all these things were coming right. together I was just like they ain't going to hell. No, we got popsicles. We got popsicles and bubbles and right. hula hoops. Like, right, right, yeah. right. So it made it really comfortable for me who was still kind of like figuring out what that meant right. and then doing other research and right. then attracting other people. Right. So publicly, I want to thank you. You were one of the people, one thank of my you. teachers, whether you knew it or not. You're welcome. Who I'm was, happy. You know, coming and just dropping me little seeds. Um, <laughs> That's my thing. I like planting seeds and walking yeah. away. Just, just planting the seeds and then, you know, this is the thing and I feel like that's sort of what I like my role to be here in mm-hmm. the Goddess Awakening and Healing Sanctuaries is like I'm planting the seed, pick it up or don't. Right. And, the, and that's the thing. I think that if you look at so I'm going to reference a movie that some of my Indian friends hate because I think it's terrible, but I like because I'm, you know, I don't know any better. Um, it's called Karma Sutra. Uh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's it's the 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 aspect of of setting it in, I think, 17th century India and speaking English is problematic. There's a lot of things that are wrong with the film. Visually, it's stunning. Mm-hmm. But there is a moment where um, there is uh, Ras Devi, I think. She is a character who was a concubine of the king, a great concubine. And she is now sort of turned, created a sanctuary for women to come and learn about the Kama Sutra. Mm-hmm. And she uses it as a metaphor for power. And the way that she teaches women is really like, she says to them, you have potential. Mm-hmm. For those that have potential, do with it what you want. Mm-hmm. And she walks away. Mm-hmm. And she's always there if you need her, uh-huh. but she's not chasing behind you. She's not rapping on your door like, have you done this? It's like, okay. I've given you what you can do. Right. I've observed where your power is. This is what I see. Do with it what you want. And that's really, I think, that's really the place that we need to be. I don't think it's our job to force anyone into anything. And I think we, as folks who are sort of, and I I won't call us leaders, but people who've decided this lifetime to honor the contract Mm -hmm. and and be the space holders and, and the path lighters, 
that's you hold space you light the path that's all you do mm-hmm. if people want to walk it fine if they right. don't fine right because you still have your own path to walk still have my own stuff right to deal with right and figure out right right so, so awesome <laughs> um so wanted to hear a little bit about so for me mm-hmm. i'm standing so now think three years ago right i'm standing in the bathroom after having maybe for the last year or two been studying. Right. I'm on YouTube, I'm taking all these classes, I am paying for classes, Mm -hmm. and you know, I'm studying Dr. Ben, I'm studying Dr. Clark, I'm studying like the the master teachers in that realm, but then I'm also studying Qigong and yoga and you know, doing my meditations and my mantras and just learning what feels good. Right. And um and so I was noticing that on one hand and also studying health because mm-hmm. that by this point it was I'm being suggested to have my fourth surgery. Right. And I'm like, nah. No, no more surgeries. Right? No more surgeries. So I started really tapping into the health thing. Right. And health um the information was just out there and it was free and mm-hmm. it was online and it would be like a 21 day right. and they're talking about food and seeds and right. soil and DNA and epigenetics and the microbiome and stuff I've never heard of right. um, but it seemed like it made sense because it's all just how our body is but we're not taught that right. so but none of the teachers looked like me, me right? or anybody that I knew right, right. so started going to a holistic practitioner here in Georgetown who looked like me. Right. And she was very clear that Imhotep was the person who she looks up to as far as medicine and some of these things that they were saying on this is what she was telling me to do. Right. So I'm like, it's true. Right. You know, it makes sense. But how come none of us are teaching? How come she's not on that platform? Right. You know, and then monetizing it and right. getting paid for it. And um so I'm standing in the bathroom and I'm like I want to do, I want to help people too. Mm -hmm. You know, like I want to show what the possibilities are and how we can change things because I know that we're not in a good space right now, emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, financially. We are, we are lacking to say the least. And so I told my friend, um, Anisha, shout out to Anisha. And we went to her house and we came up with the Goddess Awakening and Healing Summit. Mm-hmm. And we were going to have Tama from the Womb Sign. And we we're going to have Vicki Johnson from Soul Wealth. We we're going to have Dr. Mines right. on and talk about it. And then it just kind of didn't mm-hmm. take shape. Right. And so two years later, this is me. Mm-hmm. This is like what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And I picked it back up. And I changed the name a little bit, created the sanctuary, and the sanctuary is the safe place that you and other people provide to right. me to be able to, in my words, awaken and heal, and that's what I'm providing to other people. Right. So I like the idea that many, probably the majority of the modalities come from us. Well, they do already. I think so. Part of the reason why I started Black Magic Women, mm-hmm. segue, yep, that. that. That's what it was for. Right. Right. Um, two reasons. One, I'm probably going to get cussed out for this, but I don't like the term Black Girl Magic, mm-hmm. um, especially when it's applied to women. 
Like okay. for me, language is a big thing. And okay. I get the popularity of it. I get that the hashtag rocks. I get that um, all of these things are happening. But And I get that black women in particular, black girls don't get to have girlhoods. And that's part of the reason why mm-hmm. we're referring to grown women as black girls. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's time to move past that. Like part of what we have to do particularly in white supremacist spaces that we need to stop reacting to white supremacy because the reality is is that that's how it works like every time you react to some crazy cracker walking around here saying strangeness um you are kind of involving yourself in their nonsense right and i'm not saying that you don't get to push back i'm not saying that what i'm saying Mm -hmm. is that everything can't if you if everything's a reaction then you're not you're not evolving. You're not evolving because you're spending too much time. You're spending, spending too much time spending your world with somebody who doesn't who is not interested in your well being. Right. So, I really wanted to do something that focused on black women as magical people, um, and I really thought it was important for black women to understand that. And I believe this to my core: we are inherently imbued with magic. Like mm-hmm. that's we are from we are the source. Mm-hmm. So, and it's not on some no tap type of thing. It's like for me, it's absolutely real the way that Mm -hmm. black women have been able to manage this life particularly under the guise of um you know colonialism and and imperialism and slavery is is fascinating um holly bass has this thing called the transatlantic traveling company it's a new theater piece okay and um it's got some afrofuturism bits to it and so part of what they talk about is the disease that's spreading and these three black women are down here to try to figure out what the disease is okay and so they did this post um show question and they said you know what what do you think the disease is and why do you think that black women are immune and i said well i think the disease is sort of this overarching racism that affects everyone because Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter whether you are cambodian or filipino or or from senegal racism white supremacy and how it works globally affects us all Mm -hmm. i said but i think the reason black women are immune is because you can't have been owned by a white person and been able to raise their children to full to adulthood and not have some genetic DNA spiritual coding that prevents you from choking that kid. <laughs> no, and I mean it like and if we're thinking about survival, if we're thinking about the way if we take the killmonger approach, we kill everybody. Mm-hmm. You know, and so for you for me to be an enslaved black woman who has been raped, you know, had my children taken from me, you know, had my husband snatched off and sold. For mm-hmm. me to be able to raise a white baby, because mm-hmm. now you've put me in this position where I have to breastfeed and raise this white baby, and raise this baby to adulthood, mm-hmm. and to be able to see this child as my own, mm-hmm. requires a certain level of expansive consciousness that everybody don't got. Right. Especially when we look at the historical place that white women have in this enslaved space and how how just how evil white women can be in those places where slavery exists, like when allowed to go as far as they are allowed to go, they go. They go. Um, And they have no problem selling out children that look like theirs. They have no problem, you know, beating people, raping men. Like they have no problem with that. When you think about who else, like who else is able to manage the, 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 this, this irony of being owned by someone and still being able to see light and hope and love. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. no, as far as I'm concerned, Black women are inherently imbued with this magic. Right. And so for me, what I'm seeing is all of the things that have been told to us, all the things that we experience by even the toxic femininity that exists within our own community groups, it's it's designed to dampen our magic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 
what I all I'm saying is you can't erase us. Right. There's a history of black magical women that have been running things, doing things, secretly making things happen. And you will you will if you're in my space that I've created, whether you're black or not, you will understand the power of black women. Mm -hmm. So I don't close it off. It isn't a closed off space mm -hmm. because I think that's reactionary. Mm -hmm. I do. Mm -hmm. I think that if, you know, I've had white women come and sit in silence and have to hear some of the things that black women are dealing with. Okay. And I've had them come up to me and say, I feel so honored to be able to hold space and listen. I feel like now I need to go back and do some work. I was like, go okay. talk to your people because that's not our job. Right. <laughs> go talk to your people. Right. I was like, your job is, you've heard this. Go and find ways to actually be an ally because it's not my job to talk to your racist cousins or your racist boss. You put your body in front of a black woman's body and you protect her at work. That's your okay. job. Right. And so I think everyone has a different role. And my and I feel like black magic women is really about pushing back on this erasure. Because what you said initially, like when you look at De Leon, when you look at like Gaia and a lot of these huge companies that really mm -hmm. push wellness and mm -hmm. new age, there aren't a lot of black women or mm -hmm. black men's faces. There's one or two. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And that's by I design. I really never see the black men. There's like one. But that's by design. Yeah. That's absolutely by design. Imagine if Dr. Sabi had had a platform. Right. Where, you know, there was somebody tweeting on his behalf, somebody, you know, production wise, he's not filming in his bedroom or in his office. He's filming in the studio. Like, imagine what how far, how much further he could have gone. But that's right. by design. Right. That is designed so that we that black women specifically don't don't get activated. Right. If every five black women in your community got activated into their magical space, what would what that would look like? That's that's a fearful thing for, for right. white supremacists and white people in general. Right. You know what I'm saying? And so when you see this movement now, well, we just need black women to come in and fix things. Mm, no. Right. We need to use our magic for ourselves first. Right. Self-preservation. Yes. Not that's, that for that, you. That's my thing. Right. And so when we do these workshops, these craft works, these relaxing, whatever we do, it's always designed for black women to work for themselves first. You heal yourself. You manage yourself and mm -hmm. then you go out into the world and you help other people. So now explain what a black magic woman experience would be. Um, it depends on what we're doing. But okay. I so I noticed the magic is with the K. So like when I say magic, I'm like not playing. I'm not talking just wands and Harry Potter. I'm talking about your bills are due. You put that joint on the altar and somehow that joint gets paid. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm talking about this faith walk where, you know, Things feel weird. You're not sure why. And spirit is like, okay, it's time to move. And you move and you miss being hit by a truck. You don't question it. I'm talking about moving in, in the path of every day, knowing that your gut is a direct line to the universe. And okay. so it doesn't matter why. You right. don't, why is no longer an issue. Right. It's just, okay, left. All right, I'm right. going to go Like left. the squirrel who's running out in the street doesn't go. Why? It just goes it just the goes. other way. It just goes the other way. Right. So a black magic woman experience is about... Um, so for me, it's, we've been having this talk recently. I don't think that black women are allowed to have breakdowns, to be confused, to, um, to cry. So I, a black magic woman space is really first and foremost a safe space. Right. So when you come, you're greeted, you might get a hug. Mm -hmm. um, there's food, there's always food, mm -hmm. there's always drink because, mm -hmm. you know, that we need to be sustained. Mm -hmm. And there's always a safe space. Like I've had people break down get a reading, somebody says something and they're in tears and they cannot hold it in. I'm like, all right, you want to stay here and cry? Because you can. Mm -hmm. We have a private room for you to go. So there's always a space 
because I really believe it's okay to want to be by yourself. Right. So in this space, you know, I've had people who will come, who will pay money, who will come and be like, can I just sit in the Zen room? Absolutely. Yep. Well, I think that um, when you offer that space, especially to newer people Mm -hmm. who are just starting to pay attention, they've never been offered that space before. Right. So I do goddess gatherings. Mm -hmm. And so I had one in New Jersey recently Mm -hmm. and it was super powerful right because we didn't get to any, any of the things right we didn't get to anything mm-hmm. other than going around the room and saying who you were not what you do right i was making them be very clear on not what you do okay right. you're the principal you're the doctor okay right. who are you right and we didn't get around the room it took three hours yep. and we didn't get around the room some people didn't even get to go right and then they were just like i've never right had this opportunity before right and one of my friends who was my co-host there invited one of her friends Mm -hmm. and her friend said something about her relationship it was the first time when she voiced at least in public she's been feeling Feeling it in in her room room. every night Mm -hmm. and every morning she said it out loud Mm -hmm. that this is not working and they were so grateful that she was able to say it. Right. And so astonished that she was able to say it. Right. You know, so I think those things are, it's super important it that is. we have those spaces to be able to say things. Like, so for me, the first time I ever got, felt like I got permission mm-hmm. to say something was when I was, when I was a new mom, I was totally overwhelmed. Right. But I was not going to say I don't know what, I, right. what the heck is right. going what on. What did I sign up for? And then one of my friends was just like, "Oh Lord, these this I'm overwhelmed. This is getting on my nerves, right. and I'm not really necessarily happy." Not talking about depression. We didn't right. have that, right. but it was just like the basic day to day. Right. And when she said it, I was like, and she didn't whisper it. Right. And there was no thunder that struck her down. <laughs> no lightning right. came and got her. And right. I was like, you can say that? Yep, out loud. Out loud. Mm-hmm. And so I, and that was 15 years ago. Right. So now I think it, I make it a point to provide that space. Just like you provide and other people provide. Mm-hmm. So that we can help people get that out because that's a detox well the thing of it is is that so one of the rules um i have goddess rules that i need to post because i I realize i haven't shared that on the black magic woman um site or facebook page rule number one of being a goddess is even if you lie to everyone else be honest with yourself yourself and i and it's important and sometimes the honesty has to be said out loud so i tell women sometimes like even if you don't want to say it in front of anybody say it out loud even if you're at home by yourself in your bathroom, say it out loud. Because when you say it out loud, that activates the magic. Like our okay. bodies are barometers. Yes. And I believe that as black magic women, when you don't use your magic, it eats you up on the inside. Well, that's why we're dying at a higher rate than mm-hmm. anybody. Absolutely. We're dying at a higher rate than anybody because we were told we the strong black women, black don't crack, and right. all these things. And no, we are crumbling on the inside. Absolutely. And now it's starting to show up on the outside. Absolutely. So like the pain and the forgiveness, you can forgive in your heart, you can forgive in your head, but the body doesn't forgive. Mm-mm. And the body absorbs all of those things, and especially in our womb area. Right. And, and so when you're not able to say these things, you know, we have a, the cancer starts to come. The autoimmune things start to come. The inflammation starts to come. The heat that's right. there that you had to, something happen. You didn't give voice to it. You just sucked it down. That's heat. Right. 
and then that starts all the other things and it starts the, the, the ripple effect of poor health and poor sleep and poor diet and mm-hmm. all the, it's just a ripple a effect. Cycle. Yeah. So I feel like that's kind of like where, what I love about the work that, that I'm doing now and mm-hmm. that you all are doing, we hit it from different places because everybody has their own role in it. Right. But the the mission is the same, is to help our sisters and, and help really, ourselves. And it's about learning about transmutation. So we're going to, I'm creating a fall schedule. Um, the goal is to do at least one to two events a month. Um, we're taking August off. Um, okay. We did something in July, June, and we did something in July. It was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so September, we're going to kick it off with some more astrology work. And I'm starting a lecture series just based okay. on some of the stuff that I've learned. And transmutation is a big thing for me. Okay, like what how is do, that? So transmutation is the idea that when you say swallow that trauma, because sometimes you're not in a position to voice it. For right. whatever reason, right. no judgment, but for whatever reason, you can't voice it. But the idea is that it can't sit in you. So one of the things that I work when I work with individual clients, it's about, look, even if you cannot address this issue directly, or if it's a situation where the job is terrible, but you have to keep it in order to survive mm-hmm. in this earth plane until you can move forward. How do you keep the stress from sitting in your body? So transmutation okay. is about taking a thing and turning it into something else. It's okay. like alchemy. So uh-huh. if you have a boss who's completely dis, you know, misogynist and racist and all this other stuff, but you gotta keep this job, how do you shield yourself so that when things are coming at you, they're not affecting you? Right. And how do you take that then and transmute it into the ground, put it back into the earth, or just get it out of your body? Mm-hmm. Writing is one way. Transmutation okay. happens with, with voice, talking, singing. Okay. But it can also happen with just the ritual of, okay, I'm going to, I want to punch this dude in the face because he's being disrespectful, but I can't really do that because I need this job. Mm -hmm. So what do I do? I may take that energy, go outside during my lunch break, take my shoes off and stand next to a tree and put my feet in the ground Mm -hmm. and just imagine all that stuff, you know, that's sitting in me draining into the earth. Okay. So getting people to understand transmutation um, and how you can transmute trauma, how you can transmute sort of all these negative things that are flying around. Even just you're watching the news and you're like, oh, my God, I feel so heavy now. Go outside, hug a tree with your feet in the ground. You know what I'm saying? Things like that so that when things are moving or when you're stuck or when you're by yourself and you don't have a community to talk to, Mm -hmm. you can actually move it out of you. The problem will still be there. You still have a racist, misogynist boss. But at least now when he comes at you, it's going it's it's going around you if you're shielding yourself right. Right. Or you're just like, all right, I'm going to take this and put it in the ground because you're I'm not I'm not I'm just here to get my job done. Right. So you're not necessarily because sometimes the reactionary space is how you get stuck. So if you're constantly in a space of reacting and you're not transmuting, all you're doing is recycling that energy mm-hmm. and you're still not using your magic. Mm-hmm. And you're so you're still affected. Your woman's still being, a, you know, hurt, your brain, your whatever. You're still you're still having issues. So it's it's about understanding the power of sort of metaphysical alchemy. You know, if alchemy is this idea of changing one element into another, like the lead to gold thing, then mm-hmm. how do you change or how do you transmute anger? into joy or how do you transmute fear into love like okay. how do you do that or just move that joint through your body and out of you maybe right. you don't want to do out. it up yeah. and out yeah up and out down and out wherever yeah. whatever the direction is how do you move it out, out of you right. so that's and that's the goal um and when you come to a black magic woman experience there's there's a community the instant communal space but there's also i give women permission to use their magic in the space i'm saying i'm giving you i'm telling you use your magic if you feel something from someone mm-hmm. go up to that system like do you mind if we talk can i okay. do you have permission to tell you what i'm feeling right now okay and one of the things that's fascinating is to watch people who are complete strangers to each other say 
I get this sense that something's going on with you. And then to watch them go off in a corner and go back and forth. Because to me, that's what it's about. People don't believe, black women specifically, this is why I don't like the black girl magic hashtag. Because it's too caught up in the earth plane business. And it's too caught up in um, the ability for black women, because we are taught that we can't cry, we have to be strong, to you know power through these these crazy systems that mm-hmm. really aren't designed to elevate us. Right. So with black magic women, it's really about understanding that yeah, this power is here. Mm-hmm. We can transmute it, and it's also about being able to say, "I don't have to like you as a you know black woman to black woman. If we don't get along, if we don't vibe, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I do feel it's my job to make sure that if something goes down, I got your back. Right. You know, and so part of that is, I've had women come up to me and say, "Hey, sis, can I say something to you?" And be like, "Yeah, sure." And they'll drop this amazing you know gem, like, and roll out. Mm-hmm. Like I had a woman come up to me once in the grocery store line and she's like, I just want to tell you. And when it's older women, they don't ask permission. They just tell me. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. Yep. She's like, I just want to tell you that the way you wear your jewelry, the way you separate that silver and that brass, that's exactly what you should be doing. And she just walked off. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she just she just walked okay. off. You know, she was like, that's exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And she just left. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. So it's there's you're learning that. You might be learning about herbs, astrology. Um, we did sigils in the power of using um, symbolism to kind of activate things. We do spells. Mm-hmm. Um, it's whatever you mm-hmm. need at the time. And it's usually me sitting with my people, my ancestors and my guides, and they're saying, okay, these are the things next. So, so this is what I wanted to ask. Mm-hmm. You said a lot. Mm-hmm. So now did you, from the womb, pop out going, <laughs> I'm, black, I'm black magic woman? No, you know how did you get to this point? um, So, every I think, unless you're born into a family that supports it all the way, I think most of us experience our activation through some sort of trauma. Okay. So my mother was a witch. She called herself a witch when I asked her one day, "How do you know, mommy, that we're lying?" Da da da. I thought she was gonna say something smart. She was like, "Cause I'm a witch," and kept it pushing. Oh. She said it like, "Can you just pass me the salt?" Like she didn't even (laughs) she didn't flinch. And okay. I was a kid that was really, I, I love Storm from the X-Men. I've always mm-hmm. been obsessed with Storm. I've always been obsessed with women, you know, comic book heroes, witches, all of that stuff. So okay. I was like, oh, shucks, my mom was like the good witch from, from the Wizard of Oz. This, okay. is cool. this is cool. Right. Didn't really understand it. Was super excited about it. Okay. And so, but my mother didn't teach me anything. Like okay. I was not quite, quite as kept as a kid. I wasn't a believer. Okay. My mother was into Kabbalah. She was into the Quran. Our family's Muslim. She, you know, you know, when you're African, when you're Nigerian specifically, there's a lot of syncretism between these different religions. So, okay, you you could have an uncle who's Muslim for like two years, and he'd be like, mm, I'm tired of that. So I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to go be Christian now because I got guarantees. And so, okay, okay, so switching back and forth is not unusual. So okay. you would go and she had a prayer room, and she would have like comedic triangles, and then she would have. Kabbalah stuff and then she would have the Quran and she would have the Bible and she never showed me how to use any of it Hmm. I just knew we just knew that when the door was closed and the incense was wafting from underneath the door you left mom alone if we heard chanting and bells you left her alone if your arm was broken you just held on to it until she was done (laughs) because it was understood that when mom's in the prayer room you leave her alone but she never said this is what I'm doing Hmm. and then um when I went off to college, I started to have visions and I would call up like, mom, I had this dream. And I had a dream of my mother once where she was on a beach in all white. She had lost all this weight and she was like glowing. And I said, mom, I had this dream. I told her about it. She's like, well, what color was I wearing? I was like, you were wearing white. She was like, good. And then later that year, she died mm. um, in Nigeria. Um, I was 19. 19. 19. And in the two years after her death, it's just all this stuff started happening. Like, 
you know, I'd always been naturally inquisitive and intuitive. And I'd always not, I'm not a patient woman anyway. So people mm-hmm. would come to me for advice mm-hmm. and they'd be telling this long drawn out story. I'm like, okay, stop. So what you're saying is this happened, this happened, this happened. Well, why didn't finish telling the story? I'm like, no, but I understand already what's going on. Right. I didn't understand that that was a power. I just thought, you know, okay. whatever. And people would come to me. Like mm-hmm. I was like the little Oracle okay. <laughs> in school. Okay. When I look back, people were always coming to me for help articulating their feelings and for trying to understand why they were feeling what they were feeling. Okay. And I found that when people talk to me, me saying, well, you have permission to feel this way, without really understanding it, that was enough to activate them and they could go on and be happy. Right. But it really wasn't until my mother died that I started on this journey. And because I'm a literary person, mm-hmm. a lot of the messages that I would get from my ancestors initially were through black fiction. Okay. So I would read these black fiction novels, particularly specifically written by women, like Blanche on the Land by Barbara Neely. The main character is this older woman who's unmarried, no kids. Her sister dies. She adopts her her nieces and nephews, mm-hmm. and she's like a housekeeper, but she's also like a mystery solver. She's like a detective. Okay. And she did this ritual by the water where she made a an offering to Oshun, and I'd never seen that before. Okay. And before I knew it, I was burning like I found things on my own because I was being pushed in these directions and I stopped questioning things and when okay. I stopped questioning things it just it just flowed. Let it, flow. it just flowed and so when I look back to myself as a child yes I've always been this weird little black magic woman but okay. it really isn't until my mom dies that I'm really sort of activated and I find that for me Islam and Christianity they don't make sense because they're they're limiting. They don't acknowledge the divine feminine. And so once I was mm-hmm. able to articulate that, mm-hmm. much to my father's chagrin, mm-hmm. um, it became easier to own the power of, you know, hey, dad, this is not who I am. He still doesn't buy it. He still doesn't believe it. Okay. But um, <laughs> after all this, after all this, he right. came to the black magic woman. He did. He thinks it's he fascinating. Still, oh. And I think that my father understands that he's got the weird, like I'm the oldest and I'm like okay. the weirdest, but okay. I am the most like my mother in that way. I think there's a, there's an interesting disconnect where he loves me to death. Um, and he thinks because like, a perfect example he's like well you dress like a Muslim I was like no I don't (laughs) I I don't just because I like long flowy skirts and things doesn't mean that that's not specific to a religion so I think the way that I move and as as a witch you tend to move how you need to move Mm -hmm. women which women have always hidden plain sight okay and so that's just the nature of things so you said you're you're saying witch Mm -hmm. so for our listeners who have never heard that term <laughs> unless it's evil. Unless it's evil. So give us some more context about the comfortability and the, the light and the love and the good that is mm-hmm. someone who considers themselves a witch. So witches run the gamut like anything else. I like the term because I associate it with my mother, mm-hmm. to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. When she said, and let me be clear, as a Nigerian woman, Ajay is like that word witch in a lot of regular society is seen as a negative thing. If you say, ah, she's a witch, then it's like, you already know. People are you know, saying she's evil, she's da da da. Yep. Usually we apply that term to people who are too forward, you know, who are too smart. Um, if you're too vocal, if okay. uh, you know, a man loves you and his mama don't approve, oh. she must be a witch, she must have done something <laughs> to him. And so it's always um, this very imbalanced way of looking at things. Okay. If we understand the universe has both light and dark, yes. and we understand that, you know, the so-called spectrum of good and evil is a spectrum. It makes sense that you would have people on both sides who can operate depending on how they draw down that energy. Okay. If we acknowledge that as earth plane vessels, we have the ability to draw down energy from the universe and use it in our daily lives, then it goes without saying that depending on who the vessel is, 
that that magic could could look a, a bunch of different ways. Right. I like the term because I think it makes some people uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I like the term because I think it's important to push back on this idea that there can only be one version of a thing. True. So. I remember dating a guy once. He was like, why do you call yourself a witch? It makes me uncomfortable. I was like, because it's not about you. I said, do you know how many women who were thought leaders, who were smart, who were who were really aware, who were killed under that term? Millions of women right. have been thrown into the bottom of the sea simply because somebody said, you're a witch. And that, that was thrown on them, particularly right. by men who were afraid of their power. Yes. And so when I use the word, it's invoking the spirit of those women, but it's also letting people know that you will not erase me you know it's a term and healer and priestess and all that that's cute but that's not what I do like mm-hmm. I I'm I am a terrible horticulturist I can't grow anything for anything but you know <laughs> I can talk to herbs and I can mix things up that will help you you know I tell people all the time like I you know my goal is longevity yeah. so that you have more time on this earth to complete your mission so if you hang out with me you, your lifespan is expanded you know like mm-hmm. you, I'm extending lifespans in this piece and <laughs> that doesn't happen simply because I wave a wand it's right. because I am using the, the witch ways of herbs and ritual understanding the moon cycles you know understanding the astrology understanding that you know Example, I wanted to plan a trip to Cuba for Black Magic Woman. Mm-hmm. Got the sister that was going to help me. Put, she put together an amazing program. But honestly, there are six planets in retrograde. Right. Um, <laughs> it's just yes. too difficult to communicate with people right now. And right. there's a lot of things that I'm doing. And Spirit was like, you don't have to do it right now. You don't. You right. can push it back. Right. So I was like, all right, we'll push right. it back. Right. You know, there's a contract waiting that I haven't signed because Mercury don't got a retrograde to August 27th. And I'm know. stalling. Right. And I'm stalling on launching my website. <laughs> right. Because I, I got to get... Past Past, right, yes. and so that's what it's about. It's an awareness. It's a it's an ability to to move and to be fluid. It's also an honoring of those natural elements that are really important in sort of the way witches operate. So, if the weather's not right, if the moon's not right, mm-hmm. so they might be like, "Yeah, I'm not going out tonight. Mm-hmm. The moon's full," and mm-hmm. you know. So now, why would you know that if the moon is full? Like, where do you get the message that maybe I shouldn't? It comes, it comes in that gut. But know? how did you know how to so part of it, there? So part of it is the reading. Um, once, Okay, so once, okay, one of the poignant moments after my mother died was that I went off to grad school, um, came back, and was living with my dad, and it just wasn't working. Okay. Like, the first woman, the, 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 my stepmother at the time was just, it was, it was a lot. And I had lived with my parents since I was like 18 so coming back at 28 and being in the house was too much but I hadn't found a job yet Okay. so earth plane concerns no job temping I can't afford da 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 Mm -hmm. I'm still early in my in my understanding of myself Mm -hmm. I was sitting on the train and I had this thing where for me transmuting is writing things down so I wrote down one find a job two get an apartment three start working on the spiritual space and something inside was like switch one and two Okay. And I was like, nah, that doesn't make sense. That does earth plane wise, it doesn't make sense. You get mm-hmm. a job, then you find an apartment, and it was like switch one and two. And I was like, no, and it was like switch one and two. <laughs> I'm not gonna say this again, switch right. it. So I did. Okay. And that meant go look and see if you can find an apartment. So I go. I go out and I find the studio apartment. Um in this in this building and it's I can based on my my thing, I can manage it. I just okay. need the deposit. And my professor at the time, a mentor, was like, hey, come do some work for me. I'll give you the money for the deposit. 
Oh. Within two weeks of me switching yep. one and two, yep. I found an apartment. Yep. Within a month of me finding an apartment, the temp job that I had, they'd asked me to come on full time. And when they asked me, they were like, this is what we can pay you. And I was like, no, I need more than that. And I remember my friend at the time saying, who are you to ask for more than that? <laughs> right. Do you know what starting salaries are? You're being ridiculous. I was like, this is what I need. Right. They were like, okay, we want you. We're going to give you what you need. Okay. And when that happened, I was like, oh, this is how it is? Yep. So that voice that was like, mm-mm, switch one and two. Like, when that happened and I listened, mm-hmm. it was like, okay, this yep. is it. This is the business. So, you know, there'll be times where I have to go to an event and something would be like, don't drive. Just lift. Okay. And I'll do it. And nothing will happen. There'll be no reason for me to think like, oh, that's why it happened. It's just, I don't question it anymore. Right. I just follow it. Right. If you tell me, if I get that sense, go, I need you to go outside to this tree and go sit on that next to that tree. That's what I do. Right. I may not even know why I'm, I don't know why at the time I need it, but right. I go do it. And then maybe a week later, it makes sense. So I want to <clears throat> hammer a little bit more into trusting mm-hmm. the intuition for our listeners who Probably we haven't been taught to do that here in the West. And depending on what culture you're from, what um, spiritual system you are in, you're taught to give your power to somebody else. You even taught to give your doctor the power. You taught to give the teachers the power. You're taught to give the people at the grocery store the power. So in the spirit of, you know, having us connect and us suggesting that you consider connecting to your power and connecting to your intuition and listening to yourself. I didn't, I didn't even know that there was a intuition. I I just knew that I always had a stomach ache when things would happen. I always knew. So like before my grandfather died, I was super connected to my grandfather, even though he, my sister was probably his favorite. Mm -hmm. For some reason, we just had this great connection. Right. And, I always was afraid that he was going to die. Mm-hmm. And it happened. Mm-hmm. And the phone call came. My mom stood up, went into another room, and me at 11 knew right. instantly right. from the time she, I didn't even hear the conversation because she closed, closed the, the door. door. Mm-hmm. And I was with my family, and we had um, some kids on the block over eating dinner. All I did was stood up and threw up mm-hmm. because I knew something was wrong. So ever since then, I was like, why did I know that? And why did it feel, you know? And then over the years, I remember one time I was thinking about him and the phone rang and then it, it was my pink little Barbie phone. (laughs) It flopped up Mm -hmm. in the air and came down and my brain automatically said, that's granddaddy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, so, you know, being able to, and, and then I pushed it away. Right. Years, years, you know, later, I was putting myself in a situation that did not feel good right. where I would be balled up in the bed. Right. I was throwing up all the time. I was stressed out right. and I still pushed and made this decision because I was turning 30. Right. And everybody said, this is what you do at 30. Yep. So now I'm the day of this big event. I am nauseous, mm-hmm. sweating, right. shaking, <laughs> and I don't even like about the blackout. Right. And I don't even know what's happening. And I tried, like Erica Badu, I tried to pray it away, tried to drink a little holy water it away, mm-hmm. tried to exercise it away, right. and it never went away. Right. So I'm thinking I'm crazy, and I was actually told that I was crazy because mm-hmm. I didn't want to do this specific thing. Right. And so then I internalized it, now I'm crazy. Right. So I better just do this and right. suck it up. Right. So I sucked it up, mm-hmm. and I did it, 
and my life changed because of it. Right. Some things there's a there was an opportunity in some of the things, but it was more of a crisis because I put so much damage on my emotions, my right. spirit, my finances, and everything. Once I realized it was because I didn't listen to my intuition and it was loud and clear. Right. It started off very early and two years later it was screaming at me right. and I just didn't know what it was. Right. I thought, now I'm told I'm crazy so I really think I'm crazy. So now I'm going, okay, I'm crazy. Right. So once I realized that it was my intuition and I didn't follow it, I vowed to never question it again. Right. I vowed to be very in tune and to listen and to be open mm-hmm. to receiving whatever whatever it was telling me to do right. and it hasn't steered me wrong since not. then. So right. now I have my altar. Mm-hmm. Granddaddy's at the top. Yep. And right, his birthday was May, uh, March 1st. I was like, Granddaddy, let me get some money. Mm-hmm. Right? I just wanted to see. I'm walking to the gym. I walk up the street in the alley behind the Target, $5 is on the ground. <laughs> I was like, thank you. And so like now we right. do this dance and I talk to them mm-hmm. and, and my you know my grandmother and all my relatives that I feel are have my back. Right. And it's been pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And it, it wouldn't have been nothing I would have done five years ago. Right. Um, and you know, I'm even teaching my daughter. We have a little situation we're trying to deal with where we do not have the answers. Right. And time is getting short. Right. So I said, come, let's talk to grandmom and granddaddy. Right. And we're still waiting. Right. Grandmom and granddaddy. We're still waiting for right. the answer. But it is just trusting that it'll be taken care of mm-hmm. in the timing that we needed to be taken care of. Right. And it'll be even better than what we thought it would be. Right. And that's what and that's peace. Right. That's peaceful. That's um, what I want for other people is what I want for my sisters to understand. And once you start connecting in that way, then you'll have peace and then it'll ripple out and other things will start. You'll start to attract other things, other information and other resources and start to do things better for yourself so that you're not stressed out and then you're not one of the statistics of. It's just the very first step, but is that we won't be one of the statistics of us driving ourselves crazy or being driven crazy and we're dying. Well, I mean, the body is the barometer. The body tells you what it, you know, that's how spirit talks. Like when the body's not right, like we've all had a friend that when we stopped talking to them, we lost weight. Mm -hmm. We've all had a situation where when we removed ourselves from it, things that we didn't even notice were happening, stop happening. Right. And all of a sudden you're like, "Mm, my back doesn't hurt anymore. Or, I used to get these headaches. Well, mm-hmm. the headaches are gone. Mm-hmm. And so part of that is um, we live in systems that, and let me be clear, it, it does not matter what part of the world you're in. Because I, I, as a Nigerian, I'm always concerned with how some folks want to point to Africa. Africa has its problems in terms of culturally how women yes. are allowed to move and be. And any religion, any spiritual practice that does not acknowledge the divine feminine is not going to cheat women with fairness. Right. It just isn't. Right. And so um, I think part of it is your your ancestors do not want you to suffer. Right. So part of what has to happen is there has to be an acknowledgement that the people that have come before you still rock with you whether you don't rock with them or not. Correct. And so sometimes it's like they will be like, all right, we'll take a break, but we're going to come back and we're going to yell some more. We're going to uh-huh. give you some more. We're going to keep we're going to keep at it. Uh-huh. And, you know, we'll learn. We'll get it in our own time. I yep. mean, for me, time is not linear. It's you know, it's almost like a spherical vortex. So it moves uh-huh. in and out. Uh-huh. So we can't be afraid of getting caught up in that. And the other part of something that you said that I thought was really important, this idea of craziness, um, the way that word is used, along with fear, 
is often a way to force women, specifically specifically black women, into these ideas and these roles that don't make sense for who they are. Right. And so people are getting married and having children that shouldn't be getting married and having children right. because, oh, well, you know, at this age or, you know, do you really want to be let you want to be alone? And maybe you're in this lifetime alone works for you. Right. But that's not even allowed to be explored because right. you're being told all of these things. Right. So we have to really start paying attention to these to these words that we're also using. Language is a big part of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that your body is showing you and telling you this is what is happening. Right. And this is where, as a black magic woman, it's about those deep and penetrating conversations. I have conversations with myself all the time. Mm-hmm. I do not have children. And I asked myself at 40 and at 42 and at 44, are you cool with that? Okay. Like, what does that mean for you? Okay. And part of it is, in a previous life I probably had a lot of kids I probably had a lot of responsibilities I don't want that in this life I love I have 10 nephews and nieces the pumpkins the pumpkins Mm -hmm. the pumpkins are amazing and I get to teach them things now at their young ages that hopefully as adults they'll be able to to use in their daily lives and I'm actually good with that Mm -hmm. um we have to be willing to ask ourselves those difficult questions. So that mm-hmm. thing about being honest with yourself that's Mm -hmm. the rule Mm -hmm. and that means that when you're like yo I'm just not happy and be and, and ask why because the other thing I want to say is spiritual doesn't mean that you don't want to be comfortable spiritual right. doesn't mean that you want to be broke no. spiritual doesn't mean that you can't have money I want to private jet in two years oh, like yeah. that's the real yep. and so I think part of it is also like when you pointed out that yeah we would have spiritual let's have new moon meetings and then like let's go to the bar because yep. it's important to understand and balance and balance yeah. that you can be spiritual and you can like you know booty shorts you can be spiritual and you can like you know trap music you can do right. all of those things you're, right. you're bigger than just your likes and dislikes okay. so I mean the, the intuition piece is important it and is. a lot of folks it's a lot of brainwashing and unlearning that has to happen right. it is very difficult when you've grown up in a, in a religious household that says as a woman X, Y, and Z it's very difficult mm-hmm. to push back on that when you're a child and then right. that muscle memory of do it this way do it that way is so strong that right. sometimes it's hard right. even if spirit's like you know you don't need to do that right Right. it's all good right Right. you know yeah I think that um, I'm still learning we all are because I, I was brainwashed <laughs> and so unwashing my brain has, it takes time. It takes time, but I am intentional about it mm-hmm. and intentional about going towards what feels good and right. focusing on that. And then when I know that it doesn't feel good, then get away from that. But it's also about understanding that there are a lot of people who want to be free and don't and, and don't know how to get free. Right. So they will look at your journey and judge it yeah. and say this, that and a third, because there's a certain amount of envy at your willingness to just go be, let's let me see what happens yeah because if you look at these systems these systems are designed so that you don't take risks and chances right right and being a spiritualist for me it's always about the faith walk so i'll try it if it doesn't work that the trying it was the point it wasn't about it working it was about right taking the chance right. and seeing what being happens open to see being, what was right. going to happen and not being tied exactly. to the outcome and that's where i am now yeah trying to like not be tied to the outcome right so it's over. Lizzie. I know. This is terrible. We okay. need more time. We need more time. So where can we find you? <laughs> so right now, um, there's a lots of ways you can find me, but go to lilsoso.com, L-I-L-S-O-S-O.com for my website. That'll show you all the cultural architecture stuff. You can also contact me there. And then on IG, it's black, B-L-K, 
magic m-a-g-i-c-k woman and you can follow us there and uh, there's a host of things if you go to that space it's connected to all my other personalities and lives check her out y'all because we have a lot of fun she does some amazing and unique things so that's really exciting um, and so thank you again for being here in the sanctuary you are welcome please for follow us along at on Instagram at Awaken and Heal and on the web at goddess-awaken.com. Looking forward to having you in the sanctuary next time. Peace. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Sanctuary. Please follow us at Awaken and Heal on Instagram and on the web at goddess-awaken.com to follow the revolution.